Well, my name is Drew, um, and, and I usually am um, blessed to be able to lead the music here, but um, I was really thankful to be able to have my wife come and lead worship for us this morning, um, and it was really fun. Thank you for letting me. Yes, thank you for being here. Um, but it's my pleasure to bring the word this morning, and um, we're going to be join, continuing in our journey through Ecclesiastes. So I invite you to open up Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Open up the Bible you brought. If you, don't, if you didn't bring a Bible, you can have that one in the pew, literally. You can have it. It is yours, or if you want to take it with you. For someone else that doesn't have a Bible, you can have that Bible. Those are to give away and to keep. Um, but open up to chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. It's on page 463 of your pew Bible. And then when we find it, we're going to stay there. As in, don't close the Bible afterwards. Keep it open. If you like to take notes, you can take notes in the Bible. You can take notes, leave a note for someone who reads it next time. Um, but let's read together Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 1 through 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes for the last few weeks. And if you remember, if you don't remember, um, we've been taking each kind of section and looking at what Solomon has been talking about is all these different areas of life that we tend to focus on and then looking at them and realizing they don't hold ultimate meaning. They don't give us the, the answers for life. Whether that's riches or popularity or pleasure or success, Solomon's made it pretty clear that these things on their own are meaningless. However, there's one thing that is not meaningless. Remember a couple weeks ago, we found out that time is not meaningless. Remember the passage, there's a time for this, there's a time for that, there's a time for this. Time on its own, in of itself, is not meaningless. And maybe that's because Solomon realized that's the one thing that we don't have control over, right? Time is fleeting. And so it matters. It matters what we do with our time. It matters that we don't spend all of our time on meaningless ventures. And so today we get to talk about the second thing that is not meaningless to Solomon, and that's worship. So like I said, keep those Bibles open. We're going to be walking through it. We're going to dig into this passage together. Let's look back again at verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. It says, guard your steps. Solomon's telling us that worshipers need to come with care and intentionality when we come to worship. Remembering that, that God is the focal point 
of worship, not ourselves. That's why up front and center, we remind ourselves who this is about. But then it says right after that, go near to listen. So the word of God should be the priority, not, the, not our words, not the words and opinions of every one of us here. We're here to gather around the word of God. And I mean, remember, one of the first commands that God gave to Israel was not speak, O Israel, I want to hear your opinions. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Listen, we're commanded to come and listen to God. And an interesting thing, the Hebrew word listen in this passage is translated in other parts of the Old Testament um, as meaning something more than just hearing. In other places, it's also translated as, as hear and obey. So it carries with it this idea that there's a necessity for action in response to what we hear. Go near to listen and obey the word of God. And then there's that little bit about the sacrifice of fools, right? And what's that all about? Okay, well, it says, go near to listen rather than offering the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Another way to, to read that, that sentence is, rather than to offer, offer the sacrifice of fools who who sin without thought. They don't even know that they're sinning. And so it brings with it this idea of carelessness, a lack of intentionality with worship. We come to offer this sacrifice, but we don't even know that we're, we're sinning. So it has the picture of people who are, are characterized as foolish because they perform these outward rituals of worship without any genuine move towards God in their hearts or act, no, no intention of actually submitting to God. And that's what typifies foolish behavior towards God. It's what foolish worship is. It's the kind of religion that all in all the Old Testament, the prophets just rail against. In Isaiah chapter 29, God says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Now, Jesus talks about this too. If, if you want to flip forward you, with me, you can. Um, Jesus talks about this in, in Luke chapter 18. Um, and and he's, he, he tells this parable. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. He says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed over by himself and said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Solomon's saying the same thing. He's saying that it's better to come to God ready to listen rather than, rather than to come with babbling of, of many words or, or this facade of religious practices. The rest of this book of Ecclesiastes has been dealing with all the different idols in our life that take our worship and our hearts away from God. And here Solomon is talking about one of the largest parts of our worship, which is our words. So he's going to begin to take down another idol, the idol of our mouths. So let's keep looking. Verse 2, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. 
Now, there's going to be three different do not statements that we're going to talk about this morning. If you want to write them down, the first one is do not be hasty or don't be quick with your speech or don't be rash with your speech. Don't be hasty. Now, we know what this is. It's, of course, the, the, the idea of, of speaking too quickly before thinking and weighing our consequences. Who knows people like this that speak before they think? Who is a person that speaks before they think? Okay, be honest. Come on. I, I'm this person. I like to say, see, my wife is pointing at me because I like to say that I have foot in mouth disease um, and it just, it keeps getting in there. And it's a lot of work to try and get better at thinking before you speak, right? You know, Megan's been helping me with that a lot. I still got a long way to go. But we can even dress this up, right? We just go, oh, I'm just blunt, as if that's like a really good characteristic. We like say that proud. Oh, I'm just blunt. I say how it is. You know, we say, oh, I like that guy. He says what's on his mind, as if that's like the ultimate thing. But if we boil it down, it comes down to pride, doesn't it? It's me saying, you know, I'm going to jump in here real quick because I have something really important to say. Every time I rush into a conversation, it's because you just have got to hear what I have to say. You got to hear it. My opinion matters more than yours, and the sooner you hear my voice, the better off you'll be. Am I right? That doesn't strike a chord with anyone else. That's just me. Okay. <laughs> See, Solomon here is saying that we're not to act that way when we speak to God. Proverbs 13, Solomon says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. See, just because we're able to use our words to manipulate the people around us does not mean that we act that way with God. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He's teaching his disciples to pray, and he says, But when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. It's not about saying big flowery things. It's not about berating with many words with God. He already knows it. He doesn't need our tons of words. Solomon makes it super clear. The second half of verse two, he says, God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Once we realize who God is, the ultimate creator of the universe living in heaven and who we are, the creatures, the subjects made of dust on earth, maybe then we'll stop babbling on. Solomon gives more reasons in verse three. It's kind of like a little proverb here. It says, a dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. Now that word cares could also be translated to mean overwork. And so you could read this as a little proverb that says, you know, just as it's natural for dreams and worries to come when we're overworked, we know how that is. Well, it's also natural for fools to talk too much with too little action to back it up. In both cases, it's about overproduction. That's the root issue. But see, when our hearts are fully attentive to God, we don't need to multiply our work or our toil or our words to get his attention. We need to pay attention to him. So one of the idols that Solomon wants to tear down is this hasty speech that cares more for the self than for the listener. Verse four, we continue on and we get the second do not statement. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. So the first do not statement is don't be hasty. The second one you can write down is don't delay. Now, temple vows 
were really commonplace at that time. That's what he's talking about. It's, it's usually when someone would come and say, hey, I'm going to consecrate some money or some of my property in order to get this answer to prayer. I'll give half my flocks if I get rain next year. Oh, we know what this is like for us, right? We, we do this all the time. We plead with God or we bargain with him. Go, God, I will read my Bible more if you speak to me right now. Or we go, God, I promise I'm going to spend more time with you and with my family when I get that new job. God, I promise, I vow to you, I will give you more of my time and give you more of my money when I get that raise at work. Huh? You think we can work something out? little win-win here? Yeah? Think we can do something here, God? But see, the problem is, then when that prayer is answered eventually, we completely forget our promise and we go on with our life. We fall back into being more concerned for ourselves and our aspirations and our dreams, our dreams, than with the plan God has for us. We stop caring about that abundant life that God desires for us. But see, Solomon here is insistent on the need for integrity. If we say we're gonna do it, then we need to do it. I mean, we don't put up with flaky behavior with our friends much, do we? If I have a friend and I, I loan him some money and a month later he comes back and he has an excuse for why he hasn't paid me back later and then a month later he still has more excuses and he keeps up coming with, up with excuses about why he hasn't paid back his debt, I'm not going to loan him any money anymore, right? But see, it's not just about being slow or late with fulfilling our vows. I, I think Solomon is really talking about being dishonest. Because if I say I'm going to do something and then I don't do it, I'm not being flaky, I'm a liar. What we say is a huge part of how we worship God. And Solomon is saying, don't let lies be a part of that worship. Because, I mean, we know we can't lie to God anyways. He knows. I mean, if you need a reminder of that, just look at Jesus meeting the woman at the well. Or, or look back at, at Adam and Eve trying to massage the details of what went on when they're talking with God. That'll give you a really strong reminder of just how absolutely clear God is on what the truth is. He knows. We can't lie to God, but we absolutely can lie to ourselves about our worship. And then we undercut our own ability to live into the life we have in Christ. See, a, a, a story that, that comes out, I think, really gives a good example of this is in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, there's this married couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And Paul is on, I think, is his first missionary journey, and he's planting churches. And Ananias and Sapphira are there, and, and they are part of one of the new churches, and they sell some property, and they say they're going to give all the money to the new church, support the growing church. But see, the problem was that they kept back some of the money for themselves. But that wasn't the problem. It was their property. It was their money. They could do with it whatever they wanted. The problem was that they made it seem like they were doing this big act of worship. Here's all the money and we give it to God. But in reality, they were keeping some for the benefit of themselves and lying about it. And so when Paul confronts them with this truth and says, this is what you did. Why'd you do that? Ananias and Sapphira literally fall down and die. They just die. See, their deceit against God and their mockery of God just revealed how their lives were, this broken, inward-focused life that was cutting them off from the life that God intended for them. 
So Solomon here is saying, don't delay to keep your promises and therefore be made a liar. That's not how we worship God. Verse 6 gives us our third do not statement. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Don't be led. Don't be hasty. Don't delay. Don't be led. Now, see, for me, I think that this one ties in really closely to the hasty talk. You know, where, where all of a sudden I'm talking and I don't realize where I've ended up and now I'm in hot water. You know, anyone else do this where you're talking and all of a sudden you realize you've hurt that person, but you can't seem to stop digging yourself deeper down in that hole and why am I still talking? Oh my gosh, shut your mouth. Any, no one else feels that way? All the wives are smacking their husbands right now. Okay, come on. Come on, guys, right? We got those shovels. We don't know how to stop. Or maybe, maybe it's a... You're, in an effort to sound knowledgeable or you, you want to be, be part of the crowd, you, you tell a little white lie or a little fib. Oh yeah, I totally met Jerry Seinfeld once. Shook his hand. Yeah, no big deal. No, no, no. Don't ask me any more details about the story. The details aren't there. Um, yeah, so anyways, or, or maybe we, we're not even aware of the impact our words have on someone. It, it's really, just like we have no idea how what we've said has impacted someone else. We're being led into places by our words that we don't even realize. Now, the Apostle James talks about this in, in his book. You can flip there if you want. It's James chapter 3. Um, I think he says it best, so I'm just going to read what he says. James chapter 3, starting in verse 3, he says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. I mean, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. See, James is getting at the deeper thing that Solomon has been talking about. The fact that our words reflect our heart. Jesus talks about this too. There's a time when the Pharisees come and are really getting caught up in these outward parts of the law and they're accusing him and his disciples of being defiled and unclean because they're not ceremonially washing their hands before they eat. And Jesus responds saying, no, it's not about whether or not my hands are dirty. It's not what goes into the mouth that makes my soul unclean. It's what comes out of the mouth that comes from the heart that shows whether or not it's clean on the inside. Solomon's saying the same thing hundreds and hundreds of years before James and Jesus, and thousands of years later, it still holds true for us today. 
Don't be led by your words. Instead, be led by your worship of God. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We should let our love and our submission to God be what leads our words. And then we're at verse 7. And that's just a summary statement, bringing it all together. It says, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Therefore, stand in awe of God. Solomon is bringing together, he's saying that dreams and aspirations and talk and promises, they're not lasting on their own. They come and they go and they're easily forgotten. But the thing that lasts forever is our relationship with God. So put your focus there. Another thing of interest, I think, is, is this. I think Solomon is being really intentional by placing this passage right where he does. This passage about what worship is, right? Between talking about worship of wealth and worship of advancement, right? Of getting ahead. And it brings to mind um, the words that Jesus talks about of you can't serve two masters, right? Jesus says, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, Jesus is talking about you can't serve both God and money, but I think the principle stays the same. You can't serve both God and anything else that we put above him. You can't do it. True worship, worship that is, that is submitted and an insubmission to God, that brings with it the command of loving our neighbor. But see, false worship, all the other things that we put ahead, they applaud loving myself and trampling on my neighbor. So if any of these things that we put importance on involve me getting ahead at the expense of someone else, I really doubt that that is a value of the kingdom of God. Solomon doesn't want us to miss our chance at living into what proper worship is. And since our mouths are one of the biggest ways we worship God, whether it's through prayer or songs or especially how we speak with one another, he wants us to focus on bringing God the glory. Much dreaming and many words are fleeting, but true worship is not. True worship that involves true acts of commitment and devotion to God. True worship where there is real investment of life and even the possibility of failure. That's where God becomes real and personal. Now, it might seem easier or more enticing to live into some false worships, some hollow worships that keep us safely away from that submission and that kind of vulnerability. But see, holding back from this type of true, full, integrated worship, though it seems safer, it carries with it the cost of missing out on the presence of God. Solomon doesn't want us to miss out. So as I've been thinking about this, the question I want to bring to us is, how can we enter into the presence of God with our words and our mouths this week? Solomon says, the first one, remember, don't be hasty not to be too quick or hasty with our speech. So what if instead we start practicing patience a bit more with our speech? The Apostle James talks about at the beginning of his book, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So what if instead of jumping in and adding my two cents at every opportunity, we sat back a little bit more? Not only to listen to the person we're talking with, but to listen to God. 
saying, God, is there something that I can bring into this conversation to invite you into our midst here? Or, or what if we start recognizing that every word we say isn't an opportunity to advance ourselves? Oh, <laughs> I'm really funny, I said that joke. I wanna seem smart, so I'm gonna use a big word right here. But instead, using our words as an opportunity to worship God by lifting each other up, by offering words of hope and encouragement. Or even when you're giving advice and you're giving a discerning word of wisdom, it's not to point back to my wisdom. Oh yeah, lay that one on you. Yeah, you should come to me with your problems more often. I've got wisdom for you. But instead, offering a discerning word of wisdom that points back to the ultimate wisdom of our Father. Now, if you want to write something down to chew on this week, I'd encourage you to write this down. How can you slow down this week and ask God to use your words to glorify him? How can we slow down this week and ask God to use our words to glorify him? Solomon's second do not statement is don't delay to fulfill your word. And you know, I think this is more than just being about being prompt with our promises. I think it's about more than just being honest. I think it's about more than just being a man of my word for my own sake. And that's, that's a good compliment to, to, to receive that he's a man of his word. When he says he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it. And that's a great compliment. But instead of just doing it so that I can seem dependable and reflect back on my character, I think Solomon is reminding us that our words and therefore our behavior reflects back not only on us, but on the one we worship. So instead of doing it to reflect back on me, what if I saw it as, as the act of worship that it really is? What if I spoke honestly as an act of worship that brings glory to God? That's why I'm honest. What if, what if I fulfilled my promises, fulfilled, you know, yes, I'm gonna do that for you and fulfilled that as a way to point back to the one who has fulfilled every promise made to us through the gift of redemption in Jesus Christ. Oh, I fulfill these promises because it points to Jesus. What if we deal honestly in business or maintain integrity in our home, not for our sakes, but to reflect back on the character of the one who claimed us while we were yet sinners? So here's another one to write down for you to chew on this week. Seriously, I encourage you to write this down. How is God calling you to integrity and honesty this week as a way to glorify him? How is God calling you to integrity and honesty this week as a way to glorify him? Solomon's third do not statement is don't be led by your mouth into sin. Now, he knows the power of our tongue, just like James did when he talked about it being an, a rudder of a ship. He knows how powerful it can be. And this is why it needs to be used to worship God. This is why we need to submit our whole selves as a living sacrifice. Most of us are familiar, at least with the wording of Romans chapter 12, that says, my dear brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I encourage you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, your whole body. Now, I was reading back through Romans chapter 12, and, and it hit me differently this week. And, and if you would like to go and look at Romans chapter 12, the whole chapter, it talks about all the different ways that we offer our bodies to sacrifices and as worship for God. Look at how many of those involve our tongues and our mouths. 
Maybe they'll give you different ideas of how we are worshiping God together. When we submit our whole selves, including our mouths, to the Holy Spirit, He is able to lead us. He's able to lead us to, to just, merciful um, action towards, towards each other. Don't be led by your mouth, Solomon's saying. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let that flow out into our speech that lifts up God and loves our neighbor and leads the way to the kingdom. And that's the last one you can write down. How is God calling you to use your words this week to lift him up, love your neighbor, and lead the way into the kingdom of God? How is God calling you to use your words to lift him up, to love your neighbor, and lead the way into the kingdom of God? Our words have power. And let's let Jesus work through them. Will you pray with me? God, we, we know that you are in heaven and we are dust. And so instead of coming to you with any presumption or flowery words, we recognize that we are sinners and we need your mercy. We need you to work in us to use our mouths for your glory. And so God, we also know that too much of the time we fill all the space with our own words and we never listen to you. So we're gonna take a minute right now, God, of silence to hear from you. And we pray that you speak to us, whether it's in our hearts, in our heads, whether it's a feeling Help us just be silent before you. God, we thank you that you never feel the need to have to fill up space with words, but that you are completely comfortable and overjoyed to just be in our presence. We pray that this time isn't the end of us listening to you, but is the beginning as we hear from you and allow you into our hearts and our mouths to transform us as you send us out so that we can lift you up, so that we can love each other, and we can lead the way into your kingdom life. In your holy and precious name, amen.